Welcome to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. What exactly is a psychic medium? How do they actually do what they do? How do you tell a real one, quote-unquote, from a fake? Hey there, and welcome to the 566th edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. I am Ben, and those mind-blowing questions came from my co-host and partner in the paranormal, my dad. And this evening, we welcome a new guest and a local favorite son on a subject we rarely talk about. And uh, we welcome your calls this evening. Numbers to uh, call, as soon as I can speak normally, 800-449-1240, or from any, that's from anywhere in the U.S. or Canada, or 401-766-1240, that's locally. However, this will be an interview only, and we are not doing any on-air readings. I repeat, no on-air readings. Uh, you are welcome to call with questions for our guest uh, on the nature of uh, what he does. Roland Comtois is an internationally known psychic medium, channeler, and speaker, and the best-selling author of And There Wa- and Then There Was Heaven, A Journey of Hope and Love, and 16 Minutes, When One Breath Ends and Another Begins. He considers, considers it his mission to, quote, bring absolute acceptance and understanding of everlasting life and the existence of heaven to as many people as possible, unquote. What's more, he has a native son from right, right here in Woonsocket, Rhode Island, where our studio is located. At the age of 10, Roland recalls a visit from his departed grandmother and a, quote, trio of angels soon after she passed away presented him with his life's calling. From that day forward, intuitive visions, angelic visits, and heavenly encounters became everyday occurrences for Roland, encouraging him to use his gift of healing for the benefit of others, unquote. Roland is a gerontology nurse by profession. His website is rolandcomtois.net, Roland, C-O-M-T-O-I-S.net. Anybody from Winsocket, self-respecting Winsocket, <laughs> knows how to pronounce these French names. But if you're not French, then too bad. So, Roland Comtois, <laughs> welcome to Behind the Paranormal. Thank you. I'm glad to be here with you guys. So, let's start this off with uh, what we, we like to uh, start with as... Uh, Wow, I can't even remember her name. Uh, Julie Andrews once said, a good place to start is at the very beginning. <laughs> so what exactly is a psychic medium, and is that what you do? Well, I think that uh, a psychic medium is somebody who communicates or connects us to our loved ones, or reminds us, actually, that love is everlasting through the experience of our connections. You know, And I talk about that, and I share those stories with the people that I meet. You know, I, I think there's less mystery in it, really. Love is everlasting, and that's what I talk about. Okay. Uh, what is channeling? One hears that. Well, it's, it's, in going into, yeah, you know, it's going into that quiet space within yourself and feeling and hearing and experiencing the energy, the messages, the stories, and telling those stories to the people that you meet. So it's going into that zone, that quiet space. I don't think that you have to be anybody special to go into the zone. I think that anybody who prays, meditates, sits quietly, finds peace sitting outside, goes into some quiet zone. That zone... Uh, And in that quietness opens the opportunity to get a message or feel the energy. I used to laugh at that. Yes. But then in the 1970s, it kind of started happening to me. This this is not something we usually talk about on the show. We usually deal with other aspects of the paranormal because, as as I mentioned before we went on the air, we rarely have psychic mediums (laughs) on the show because they all say the same things and they all seem stuck in the 19th century, Okay. But present company accepted, I'm sure. But there are certain terms that kind of drive us crazy. People throw them around, and, and they, they know. I think you have to understand your terms as much as you can, because language really isn't good enough, but you have yes. to kind of get to it. 
What do you mean by the soul? Of uh, this part of me that is that defines who I am. I'm not defined by my physical body. I'm not defined by the way I speak. I'm defined by something inside me, this part that lives inside of me. I think there's more to the story than what we see right here in this physical experience. I think there's more, and that's what I mean by the soul. But does that diminish the physical experience? It doesn't diminish it. It, it can enhance and complement and work together to create the experience. I'm not on a mission to tell people that Truly, I'm not on a mission to talk to the dead. I'm on, the mi I'm on a mission to talk to the living so that you have a chance to work things out, right? To live the best life that you can live. Okay. What, and we don't... Now, this, you can respond to this as you wish, but what, another thing that drives me crazy, and I don't want to speak for Ben, but is um, it, one gets the impression when reading... Boy, and, and we get buried in books here yes uh the publishers want us to have the authors on and uh, half of them i wouldn't use as paperweights you know <laughs> especially speaking as a professional editor you know they're, they're just not well written but th there seem to be certain assumptions okay one of them seems to be in many cases that as soon as somebody dies they become like this super being uh, okay th that that just you know c can manipulate time and space and and can help your family and do all this stuff i, I don't necessarily agree with that i mean mm -hmm. i don't agree with that i don't think we die and we go somewhere mm -hmm. i think there's a process I, just like life is a process i think there's an experience that happens after we pass away but i don't believe that we just pop up into a cloud we're sitting up in some special place mm -hmm. i think there's an evolution of some kind that same kind of evolution that exists here in the physical plane so when someone, I don't believe in death either, right? At all, I mean, mainly because of what quantum physics has has exactly. gone to the whole idea. Is death so called? Is is or, or as we call it? It's, it's an ancient theological term, translation. Hmm. When you translate to one of the perhaps millions of other lives you're living parallel, yes. to what you're doing, is it the same for everybody, or is it a personal unique experience i think it's a unique experience how can it be the same we don't yeah. you know how can it possibly be the same i think there's a unique experience that happens at the moment of death and only when we have that actual experience will we really be able to identify or talk about it or experience it how can we say that it's one thing or another mm -hmm. until we have the experience I once, you'll probably get a kick out of this i once because i spent 10 years in the seminary right oh. <laughs> and i went to a funeral not too many years ago at a Roman Catholic church in Rhode Island here. And it was uh, the, the wife of a, a popular official. Everybody knew her, a lovely lady. And uh, the priest said, well, now she's uh, playing golf yeah. without the greens fees. And she can go to the clubhouse and eat all the, the cake and ice cream she wants without getting fat. So I'm there kind of looking around. And uh, at the end, I shook hands with them as we were leaving the church. And I said, that is the most bizarre eschatology I've ever heard in my life. Eschatology being the last things. But then I thought, if all this stuff we talk, because we base all our work on uh, parallel world theory that, that some physicists have pretty much embraced, and some of whom have even been on the air and told us that they agree with us. Now, uh, however it may work. But um, 
thinking about that parallel lives, she probably is on some golf course doing that, and maybe in, in a world where, where the, where the uh, physical laws are different, because supposedly they're not the same from world to world, if this is true. Yes. So, I don't know. Who, who knows until we have the experience, though. I mean, I can tell you the experience from my, my perspective of what I've seen, what I've felt, what I've heard from people, how I see it when I'm in that space somewhere mm-hmm. yeah. and it's different it's not the same for everybody and I, I'm not, I just can't believe that when we die we just puff up into this place that's spectacular and beautiful mm-hmm. I think something happens and that part will be interesting to discover when I finally take that journey well in the, the multiverse perspective as we call it we're all we're all having that experience all the time yes. somewhere or some when you know and um, it has impl- interesting implications for reincarnation because uh, Einstein essentially proved and his successors essentially proven that, that time does not exist in a linear sense. It doesn't go past the future. Yes. It's, just, it's all simultaneous. Yes. Which I suppose makes it six and one half dozen of the other. Right. But uh, in your experience, who are you talking to? How does it work? Well, look, when there's an audience of 50, 60, 800 people in front of me, they want to talk to their loved ones, and their mission is to have some, have some peace about their loss or grief. My mission is just to get them to, to be peaceful about what they're going through in that precise moment, their mm-hmm. pain, their loss, their suffering. And I present to them a story that I hear, a story that I feel, a story that I sense. They then have to make their decision if they think that experience is a real experience. Is that guy really hearing that story? Is that guy really feeling that energy? And how is it that that experience is happening? So something happens there that allows that story to come forward and that story that is presented to that person in a way that allows them to have a moment of peace in their grief or their, or their sorrow or their regret or their disappointment. Yeah. One, one of the questions that's always arisen for me, I don't know about you, Ben, is, is uh, suppose the quote-unquote loved one was an abusive jerk. Yes. <laughs> I mean, can you, do you feel that you bring peace to people who've had that Look, I, problem? I, too? I walked into a room in Katona, New York, and a woman stood up and she said, don't channel my mother. You know, she had this mm. big, loud and boisterous voice because she said her mother hated her and she didn't want to have any conversation about her by the time that we were done this two-hour experience she was crying there was a sense of relief in her Hmm. because something happened whatever the words were that came whatever i said to her she had a moment of peace and said okay i can live my life now the whole point for me is Maybe we should just live this life and live it the best way that we can, love the best way that we can, and maybe get a message to get us through whatever it is that we're experiencing. One of the, I, I, maybe this is a Connecticut expression, you live in Connecticut now, but the, the term bugbear sometimes, it sounds strange, but my mother would say, oh, that's a real bugbear. No, it's a problem, right? <laughs> um, I, nobody, else, nobody knows what I'm talking about. I, I've never Connecticut heard Valley. that. I was just going to say the same. I right. never heard of it either. Never. Well, see, today you both learned something. Yes, right? I'm going to write okay. it. I'm going to make notes. Yes. <laughs> so uh, the, the a bugbear, so to speak, here is... Uh, how do you know where this information is coming from? And if you looked at our website, you know our work involves a lot of negative, what folklore calls demons and stuff. Yes. Parasites, as we call them. Simply life forms that one of the tactics is, you know, that they apparently go from world to world or reach into several sure. at a time. I've seen them yes. doing that. And will feed off yes. people's negative energy. I can't put any more scientific a finger on it than that. But there is a lot of... There are a lot of cases where I'll go in or have gone in, 
and say, you know, they think this is Uncle Chuck. Yes. And they say, oh, because they want to believe it's Uncle Chuck. You're right. And uh, I'll say, I don't believe you're Uncle Chuck. Everything changes. You know, and you can bring out the, the actual nature of it. Not they always want to, but uh, that sort of thing. How do you know where the information is coming from and it's not some parasite? Well, I, I have we to tell think. you that I've spent my whole life experiencing what that feeling is when the energy of that message is loving, kind, compassion. I feel something inside. Yeah, yeah. I trust that feeling. Now, I've had the same feelings that you're referring to. I've mm. been in places where the energy was unsettled and there was a, a restlessness or, or something. But when I'm in that space with someone and I'm in that quiet space that I keep going back to, I feel this loving kindness. I feel a sense of ease in my body. I feel a sense of peace in my body. And in that place, I feel the love come. Mm -hmm. And that seems stronger to me. It feels much more powerful than those other things you're talking about. Yeah. If I hadn't felt the same thing myself, I'd be critical. But I can't because you know I, I have experienced the same thing many times. Uh, explain love to me. Is there someone who's never heard of love in my life? Well, here's how I can explain it to you. That love, that feeling when I take my 23-year-old daughter and I embrace her, is there's a sense of completion between my daughter and I, this beautiful energy that exists between us. When I'm in that space, nothing exists but the energy of love between the two of us. There's something that happens. It's that feeling that you get inside when everything seems to be perfect and in order and right and sound and strong. That's what it is to me. It's not an airy-fairy kind of feeling. It's that just you're knowing you're in the right place. It's the right experience. And that's what I feel when I embrace her. I don't well, know if that answers your question. I mean, but that, that's how I can articulate the feeling that I get or how I can describe what love is. No, well, it's, it's interesting... Um, as people that use a lot of words, because English language has a lot of words, most of the time we use words like energy or frequency and stuff without saying what they mean. Mm. Yeah. Hence the whole idea of terms that we're talking right. about. Yeah, it's good to know what we're talking about. I mean, you say love, everyone has different definitions of, of, of the word love. It's a very hard human emotion my state of being to pin down in and of itself. That's why I asked. And it's hard to explain. I mean, how do, how do I really get that word out and, and, and using this English language that we have other than my being able to express it to you in a way that in a certain moment in my life where I truly feel it so profoundly and so deeply, it's when I'm in that embrace with someone or I'm, I'm, I'm looking in the eyes of someone and I feel the connectedness of something. Something happens there that allows that energy to exist. Well, it's funny. English only has one word for love. Love. Yes. Right? Greek has five that I know of for yeah. different kinds of love. Yeah. And agape, of course, being the selfless love that really is love. It's funny. I was a weird kid. I used to watch Star Trek, and I'd argue with Mr. Spock. I said, you dope. It's not an emotion. It's a state of being, you know. <laughs> and uh, it is, I think. You know? But I think, you, and I think you're, you're describing that as well. well. Another thing that kind of bothers us, too, is, is the... Uh, the physical doesn't bother us, but we note the physicality of many of the phenomena. In but mostly, the we 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 well, we like to fight the idea of dualism. Okay. We, yeah, we, we yeah. Well, we like we have problems with Descartes. Yeah. All yeah. right. So uh, the philosopher, in case anybody doesn't know, what you, yeah, uh, kind of ruined Western thinking in, in our <laughs> opinion. <laughs> yeah, for about five hundred years. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Mm. So in other words, uh, 
I'll often, uh, well, from our viewpoint, uh, say, say, paranormal investigators say, we have the issue of uh, how come you see ghosts some, sometimes wearing clothes or driving cars, or you, or you see ghosts, quote-unquote, of buildings or whole towns. You know, this has all happened in phantom places. Uh, and, and, and when I when we were talking before we went on there about the, uh, the the case in Connecticut, yes, uh, where I, we went in and all these things are happening all around us. These are very physical things. Farm implements were there ghosts of oxen we heard, you know, and, and wooden wheels and all this stuff. And uh, we have a caller, so okay. we'll hold that thought as they say. Yeah, and we got to plug in our our headsets here, so just bear with us. But. Uh, that's one of the issues, is the, uh, the physical nature of so many of these things. All right, and we have Bill from Franklin on the line. Uh, oh, wait for it. All right. We have Hello? Bill from Franklin on the line. Bill, how are you? Okay. Good. Welcome to the show. Okay. You have a I question got, for Roland? I got some, some uh, feelings I've never had before. Um, I have this new, new uh, friend, and she, and she likes everything I like, and we get along so fantastically well. Okay, could you start again, Bill? We had a little bit of audio trouble here. Oh. I met this new new friend, uh, and uh, and we both like the same things. We look at each other's photographs, and, and we like the same photographs. And and I get this uh, like warm and warm and happy feeling when I'm when I'm, when I'm around her, and, and it, even when she's not here. Right, and I never 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 felt that way before. Because I've never I've never had a female friend. Like the same things I like either. You know, I think instead of trying to figure out why or where it comes from, maybe just experience it for what it is, and and not really try to investigate why it's yeah. happening. You know, just really enjoy it and, and have that experience. I, I love it. I never, never felt this way, and and I, and I love it, and I I can't wait to see, see her uh, every week. That's that's a great thing. Yeah, it's good. That's a great thing. <laughs> yeah. And she's a and she's a minister. <laughs> All right. Well, you got, well, there you go. I think that's a great thing. Yeah. I think it's just you should just be present for that experience. But, but I've I've gone through uh, you know losing my sister a, a few months ago, and this just is to- the total opposite feeling now. You know. Oh, sorry to hear that. Yeah. I mean about this about your sister, not about yeah, the feet. Yeah, that's tough. Yeah. Yeah. That's tough. Go. I went I went from being down in the dumps to, to being extremely happy right now. Well, that's good. I that's think you great. should just be in the present moment and and have that experience. That's a great thing, Bill. Yeah. Very good. Well, thanks for the call, Bill. Thank you. Okay. Okay. Right. I'll give our numbers again, which I always forget to do. Uh, 401-766-1240 in the local area, Northern Rhode Island, Southeastern Mass. And anywhere in the U.S. or Canada, 800-449-1240. The trouble is, uh, a lot of people listen to us later on podcasts. You know, oh. so or they live in New Zealand or someplace. <laughs> they can't just... Anyway. They could attempt I, to, I guess. I suppose. Well, they could try. They didn't care about the phone bill. Or use Skype. Anyway, um, how does psychic power actually work now we've talked about multiple worlds and stuff sure how does psychic power work well, first can i address something about the physical sure yeah because you oh, mentioned yeah, something kind of about the, the physicality yeah. you know sometimes when i'm with someone and i'm giving them a message about their loved one the image of them is presented to me in a way that is familiar to them and i think that happens so that person who's receiving the message can truly believe that everything is okay with their loved one. I think that's why it comes across in a physical way. Now, I can't give you the idea of it if it's happening on many levels or many dimensions, but when I'm there and I'm seeing someone as I'm seeing them and presenting that information to that person, they're, they're really coming into the idea that, well, maybe they live on. Maybe we do carry on. Maybe we do move forward in some way. You know, so that's why I think the physical experience of how they looked, how they sounded, 
uh, what they had on comes into into play. Mm-hmm. You know that, that I just wanted to share that with you. Okay, well, it that's what, one of the things that helped us or, or nudged us into this multiverse idea with parallel, perfectly physical parallel worlds is that that would that would explain. Why you have maybe we're wrong, yeah. But a lot of physicists say, well, that, that's apparently the case. So uh, whatever it is, I mean, that that I think would kind of explain it. Mm. And with this phys- the everything is moving, everything is moving so quickly, and and for us to dr- to stay in this present moment to really hear whatever it is that's happening around us, I think it takes a lot of work and a lot of effort mm. to do that. And uh, Bill is a perfect example of just enjoying that experience and being in that experience for what it means in this moment. Well, that, that's a deep spiritual principle, too, is it to is. live for the moment, Yes. Uh, to, as you see, act, as, as, you know, as problems arise, judge from there, that kind of thing. And don't worry. Kind of mm. let it go. Yeah. Among the paradoxes of the spiritual life and, and, and or the multiverse, of course, is, is, is that. Well, we spend a lot of time asking those questions. Where did it come from? Why is it there? And then we miss the whole opportunity of really celebrating what that moment is all about. Mm-hmm. And for him, there's a little bit of happiness in a time that is so overwhelming. Ben, did you have any... I'm, I'm excited here, so I'm going. I know you're excited. Yeah. I'm thinking. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> what, what is... People refer to the other side. And we, yeah. We've been talking about this. You know, I always say, well, the other side of what or which <laughs> other side, you know? And one of the things... I mean, do you ever get to the point where you uh, quote send people to the light but you sound like you're talking more to the people who are here I, you know as a nurse i've i've been in many situations where my my patients were dying and i was there when they passed away and i had a need to just be with the, their soul their not only the physical body but just to be there for them mm-hmm. um can i tell you a little story about Please. this yeah. um, i had a patient and uh, her name was ann and she was 90 something years old she had uh, Alzheimer's disease and every family member that she had, had ever loved had all passed on before her. So we became her family and we were there with her. We were comforting her. And one day I walked past her room and I had a feeling I needed to get, to get in there to talk to her. I had to sit with her. I went in there. I you know, talked with her, and I realized that she wasn't looking well. So I took my stethoscope, I placed it on her heart, and her heart rate was 140 beats a minute. And I knew that something was changing. She was 90-something years old. She didn't look right. I called the doctor, and the doctor said, well, you know, it's her time. We just have to support her, take care of her physically, and, and do whatever you need to do. So I went back into the room, and I put my stethoscope back against her heart, and now her heart rate was 30. And I heard it go to 20, and I called my staff in, and I said, I think we need to just be with her right now. I think we just need to be present for her and and hold her hand and tell her everything is going to be okay. And we did that, and I put my stethoscope there, and I heard her heart rate go from 5 to 4 to 3 to 1, and she was gone. Her physical body ceased. And at that moment, I had this kind of rush of what felt like energy, I, you know, for, I don't know what other word to give it. I know you guys talk about using these words over and over and over yeah. again, but there was this kind of whoosh of energy just passing through me. And in my mind, I had an instant feeling that she was okay. It was almost a sense of things okay, that we took care of her. It was loving and comforting. And at that moment when we were holding her and giving her all that support, when she passed, I had this very strong sense in me that she was okay. I didn't argue with that sense. 
I didn't get into a debate where it came from. I didn't try to sit there and figure out why was that happening. I just felt something, and I sat with that feeling. And in my mind, I had this sense that she was free. I had this very beautiful feeling that happened inside. And I didn't argue with it, you know. Mm-hmm. I just, just felt it. I just experienced it for what it was in that moment. That's just like when I was with my mother. Yes. Now she uh, uh, translated in the on the in the ambulance on the way to the hospital. I got a call and I went to the hospital, but still the same feeling, you know. So I I really hear you there, Roland. Yeah. It, it, to me, it's an important feeling. It's an important mm-hmm. thing to talk about. Yeah, it is. Thought of your question yet, Ben? Guess not. All right. Mm-hmm. All right. The um, interesting. Thing, I'll t- I'll tell you briefly. I, people don't want to hear from me. They want to hear from you. But just very briefly. Um, your, your publicist in San Diego is a dear friend of ours, <laughs> and um, I, she's probably listening right now, or she'll be listening to the podcast anyway, and uh, wonderful cook. Did you ever have a chance to get out there make sure she makes <laughs> ravioli for you? But um, she, she was my publicist for uh, quite a few years, actually, and uh, she didn't quite know what to do with me, because we're a little odd. We don't really fit the round peg in the square hole or whatever, and she thought I should try my hand as a psychic, right? And I was not entirely comfortable with that, but she talked me into it. When I tried it, and I, I do not claim to, be any, to do anything you do, when I tried it, it was like a, a, the most disturbingly intimate experience because I approached it from my multiverse point of view. I didn't think I was reading anything. I became that person where I was that person in some other part of the multiverse. Because wow. it's everything, all possibilities are out there. Yes. And you're me, and, you know, and, and in a way we kind of were united anyway. But you, you get the picture. Yes. I couldn't stand it. I couldn't, I had all their fears. I had all their imagination. I had all, 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 all their, their, every, it was awful. I understand that. I, I, I understand you, that totally that because to I have had those experiences yeah. where, you know, it feels like you become them almost. You know, yeah, you, you, there's exactly. no there's no separation between you at all. Yep. And I'm there feeling what they felt and experiencing what see what they see, mm-hmm. and it sometimes can be a little bit overwhelming. You know, and learning how to do that takes some time. Exactly. And work it out takes some time. Well, on that cheerful note, we're going to take our break at the bottom of the hour here. You're listening to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno on WON 1240 in New England's beautiful but rainy Blackstone River Valley with our wonderful guest Roland Comtois. We'll be right back. Hi, this is the Moose Man. And I'm the Beetle Man. Join us for a very special Groove Line on January 3rd from 5 to 8 p.m. as we count down the Groove Line's top 40 Beatles songs of all time. They said it couldn't be done. Start your new year off right with John, Paul, George, and Ringo right here on 1240-W-O-O-N. They say it shouldn't be done. That's Saturday, January 3rd from 5 to 8 p.m. live. See you there. Top 40 Beatles Countdown. The Top 40 Beatles Countdown. The Top 40 Beatles Countdown. Don't miss this extravaganza. Owen Radio. Owen Worldwide. And we wanted to just quickly remind you of some of the charities Ben and I have adopted, mostly veterans charities. Certainly, buildershelpingheroes.org. Check that out. It's a local, that it, local as in Rhode Island, a charity run by the Rhode Island Builders Association, and they give uh, contracting assistance, including new construction, to uh, the, our, our heroic veterans and their families of those who have lost loved ones in the war on terror, and they do great stuff. So, buildershelpingheroes.org. Uh, also, you want to check out um, 
the uh, Canadian Veterans Advocacy for our listeners up north and our good friends. Uh, and that's uh, Bill, uh, Mike Blaze in Ontario has started a great group to advocate legally, et cetera, and, and legislatively for Canada's veterans as well. And certainly USACares.org. Uh, I know that our the lady we we're talking about in San Diego is very much involved in them, and we like to support them, as well as Youth Mentoring. Dot org, Youth Mentoring Connection in Los Angeles, doing great stuff for young people out there, at-risk young people using ancient wisdom. And again, nothing weird, nothing occult about it, but good old down-home sense from our remote ancestors and uh, doing great stuff out there. So check that out, youthmentoring.org. So let's get back to our discussion with Roland Comtois, uh, Winsocket favorite son and yes. native. Uh, and uh, So t- tell us about your, where, where does your work take you geographically? Well, I, I uh, have spoken all over the world, and uh, next year I'll be speaking in Italy, in Gubbio, Italy, mm-hmm. on October 2nd of 2015, and I travel across the country, and I, have, I talk with people all over the world through my radio show and all kinds of things. Mm-hmm. I have all kinds of conversations with people about these things. One of the... Just, just put your hand up, Ben, when you're ready, because I don't want to. I don't no, want to. It, it's, it's understandable. It, it takes okay. a while for me to form thoughts. Okay. Well. <laughs> all right. You're all you're all used up. Just got out of college. That's anyway, true. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, one of the issues that, that that I look at as a and one of the things that got me in trouble in the seminary was that uh, neither the Roman Catholic well the Orthodox churches are a little bit lighter on this, but but generally uh, Christians generally don't accept mediumistic abilities, or at least they don't trust them, yeah. uh, psychic abilities, this kind of thing. Very, very serious kind of thing. And they certainly don't accept the idea of reincarnation. Yes. How do you deal with... I, I don't, I'm not asking about your own religious beliefs, sure. but if you, unless you want to talk about them. I, I, yeah, sure. But you must run into that, and you must run into many people who have... Uh, who consider themselves Roman Catholics or whatever. Yes. Now, how does all that pay? You know, what's a- amazing to me is that my audiences are probably filled with more Catholics than anybody else. Right. And they're seeking, just like everyone else is seeking, to find some peace. But there have been moments where people have just been, you know, fighting the idea that it's possible. I, I remember once some woman left me a message on my, on my business phone and said that I was the Jesus hater um, because of what I do here. But you know, I believe, and I, I keep using the word love because this is how I operate. It's what I think. It's what I feel, and mm-hmm. and I believe in that that experience. Uh, and I know that um, my faith tells me that God is about love, or that universe is about love, or angelic spiritual energy, the divinity, whatever you want to call it. To me, it is all about the essence and the energy of love, and that is what I talk about. It's what I feel. It's what I experience. Um, it's what I talk about all the time. And, and so I say to people, you know, I'm not asking you to believe me. I'm asking you to believe yourself. I'm asking you to go inside yourself and make a decision. And if you make a decision at the end of our conversation and you say to yourself, this guy is a nut, I don't believe him, I'm not going to buy into it, perfect. But if you do believe in it, fine. I mean, either way, it's okay. Um, often I direct them to Corinthians 12.4 and, and hoping that, they realize that everybody has a gift. Everybody has a connection. There's not one um, one religious book that says one person has the gift, or oh, and you're the you're the guy that you probably know this more than I do. But not one person has the gift. We all have something. This happens to be my something mm-hmm. in this in the big scheme of things. Okay, just uh, that was more of a political question. How do you deal <laughs> with that kind of thing? Uh, there are criticisms of 
psychic mediums, uh, particularly John Edward, who had the, still the same publicist as we had. Yeah. And he still do. <laughs> she, she gets around. Uh, and uh, he... There are often criticisms of him and others who do that in public that um, they're, they're doing cold readings yes. or, or, they, or they look at people yes. beforehand and they're just reading body language and they ask questions that leave. You know, what do you say to that? I know you can't answer for others. Sure. For I can tell you what happens when I'm there. You know, I can only speak from my perspective, and that is I walk into a room, I share the stories I share, and I'm not looking for anything. I'm not looking for anything from the audience. I'm telling what I see, what I feel, what's intuitively intuitively inside of me, and I'm passing along that information. Now, do I want people to cry at my events? Yes, I want them to cry. I want them to release <laughs> mm-hmm. their energy. You know, I walk into Target, people start crying. I mean, you know what I mean? People have well, an emotion. Not that bad. <laughs> <laughs> people have an emotional reaction to the experience. You can't hide that. Um, but do we use that as a way to e- extract information from the mm-hmm. from the person sitting there? I see it as an opportunity for that person to let go what, of whatever it is that that they're bound by, that suffering or that grief. So it's kind of like you're a paranormal psychologist. You got it. Hmm. All right. You know, really, I, I, want to, I, I want that person to release whatever it is. You know, I really am about living the best life you can live right here, right now. I'm all about that, you know, and I believe in all these multiple layers, uh, all these dimensions of energy, these places that exist. But we've got to live here. Uh, Yes, well put. And to live here, we can't live here with a broken heart or a sad something and not move forward. I remember meeting a woman once. She had missed her husband for 25 years and hadn't moved forward, didn't do anything, didn't seek help. She had one, a few moments in, in a group setting and whatever I said to her gave her a moment to breathe and she took a step forward in her life. She took a step forward from whatever it was that she was feeling. So maybe there are people that extract information. I'm all about wanting you to have the emotional response, the experience of really healing, healing referring to the balancing of your energy so that you can live the best life you can live. Uh, May I say one other thing to you? Sure. I've never heard in my head, I've never heard a spirit say, be depressed, stay in bed, don't get up, don't get out, don't move. It's all about living the best life, mm-hmm. and that's what this is about for me. What, one of the issues, because you have to forgive me, I majored in philosophy, so I, I yeah. think of these weird, uh, canted views on things. Reincarnation. Wh- what is your view on reincarnation? I think some of us are coming back. I think it's. Okay. I think it's. I think that we are all traveling this, these... I really believe, too, in the multiple layers, that everything is happening at once. Yeah, yeah. We're all moving forward, uh, and that we may come back. I don't know if I'm coming... Me, I don't know if I'm coming back here, but I know that I'm going to live on. Is that reincarnation? If I'm moving to another dimension or another place? Yeah, is that as, reincarnation? as we were talking about. Yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. So, I believe in reincarnation. Yeah. In that sense, and, yeah, because yes. you're already there. Yes. That's a hard concept for the, the, the modern Western mind, to, sure. or the modern mind in general, to, to sure. sort of grasp, because we're, we're very... 
we call it the island theory. Mm. We're very much, it's us, it's all inside of us. Whereas now, I mean, certainly physics is, is indicating you've got non-locality. Yes. And memory and imagination, everything is shared, which makes what you're doing, I suppose, make more sense. Well, wouldn't that make sense if I'm getting a message about someone's loved one that is in detail for them, right? Isn't, wouldn't that... Uh, fit with your philosophy here that yeah, maybe yeah. this is really happening. You know, another interesting aspect is that I pre-record messages on big purple papers. Uh, I didn't bring them in with me. They're in my car. I take them wherever I go. It says Ray Gillette wants to talk to his family about something. It says Mrs. LaFrancois on a paper. Mm-hmm. And those messages then are presented to the audience. They didn't say anything to me. I walk up to someone and say, I think you need this paper. Turns out that it's exactly what they needed or a message that they needed is it happening on those multiple layers that you refer to is that how that is happening i mean there seem to be certain ones where people are aware of their their super selves yeah greater selves which includes all their loved ones and you know people they don't like and all this sort of thing (laughs) um speaking of pieces of paper roland do you ever have i'll tell you why I, i asked this but the, do you ever have physical manifestations, you know, things appearing, things disappearing, such as pieces of paper, which actually might be, for lack of a better term, messages? Well, I've never had that happen to me. But there was an interesting experience that a, that a woman at an event had happened. She received a purple paper message that said something about, I should have given you the ring. And there was a description of a ring, the ring, a beautiful diamond ring, and the rest of the message about how they weren't able to finish their lives together. I walk, in, I, I walk into an audience and I say to this woman, I think, I have a really strong feeling that this message belongs to you. And instead of negotiating that feeling, I'm going to give you the purple paper. She looks at the purple paper and she starts to cry. She starts, actually, she starts sobbing in the audience. She tells me after the event that her little um, granddaughter gave her a jewelry box, a little, a little uh, ring box. And in the ring box was a brooch, this beautiful brooch that was left by the man she loved that had passed away. She gave the box to her daughter. Several days later, the daughter gave the box back to this woman and said, back to her mother and said, you forgot something in there. And inside that little ring box was a diamond ring that this woman did not see when she opened up the package. Mm -hmm. She takes the diamond ring that she has, compared it to the ring that I had drawn, and they were exactly the same. How do you explain that? Yeah. How do you explain that? Yeah, yeah. You know, how do you explain that moment? I mean, it certainly is very powerful that that message needed to come through to her Mm -hmm. Um, and it was the manifestation of the ring did the ring manifest in the box that's the question did the paper manifest before the ring came I mean there's so many aspects to look at that and why that happened all I know the end result was that that woman who received the paper and the ring had this amazing sense of relief and began to realize that maybe there's more Maybe there's something more beyond me. Maybe there's some reason for me to go on. Maybe there's some reason. Maybe we still are connected somehow together. And I think that's what that paper gave that woman. Mm. However that ring got there, I don't know. People asked us how we dealt with... Well, it was, it was all, almost funny, given the cir- circumstances, but 
you know, for years we're on the air giving suggestions about how to deal with, with the, the, quote, loss of a loved one, which, of course, is nothing of the kind. And then my mother translated. She's 95 years old, you know, like, like the one lady you were describing. And then people wrote in, you know, so many words like, okay, wise guy, how do you deal with, you know? So I said, in our attitude, she, she has, yeah, she, she's not, it's not like she's still here, but we are with her yes. in many parallel worlds where she never died. And it's all us, yes. you know, and that's a very real and positive experience. Before we burn up the hour, would you like to talk about your books yes, and website Yes, good idea. Such? We're burning up the hour. Thank you. Yes. Uh, my first book is And Then There Was Heaven, A Journey of Hope and Love. It's a spiritual uh, memoir. Yeah. Um, I got you. Yeah, and those who are watching on the internet, they have the, oh, okay. uh, the upsetting experience of actually seeing us. So we'll, we'll, we'll hold up the... <laughs> so this is a spiritual memoir. It's my journey of discovering these spiritual messages in my life. And I've told the story from my 10 years old to 1993. And the second book is called 16 Minutes. And it's actually about my mother's passing and her physically physically dying and the journey that came thereafter. And that's that story. Included in this book is a grief guidebook helping people to work through their grief because I think that's really an important aspect of my, of my work. And that's what that book is about. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Excellent. And your website? My website is rolandcomptois.net. Okay. And uh, there are some possibilities you can't talk about right now. Yeah, right. We're, right okay. we're, you know, I'm in the midst of um, some television things and um, some new books coming out in, in the near future. So there's you a lot of exciting posted things. on that. Yes, you know, I'd love back. That. This is a lot of fun. I, 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 had no, I didn't know what to expect, but this is good. Um, okay, what is heaven? That's another term everybody throws around. Well, you know, everyone believes that it's up there. It's across the street. It's, you know, it's up somewhere yeah, beyond our ground. You know, everyone thinks it's beyond us, mm. but it's part of us just as everything else is, right? Mm-hmm. So when I talk about heaven, I say to my audience, I said, it's not upstairs, it's not across the street, it's right here. It's here in you. It's in your field. It's in your, in your space somewhere. It's here. And if it's here, so are your loved ones. So are your memories. So is the journey. So is life. It's all here. So, you know, I don't think of it as just a place, I think of it as an experience. Yeah, as, I like that. As a place of being. Mm, exactly. When we, are, and I'm thinking of actually this, this actually came from research on horses of all things, but uh, it's found that when when beings uh, of carbon-based nature like ourselves or horses or whatever are in close proximity, there's this, a bioelectric field around the body. Sometimes, I guess people who are into that sort of thing call it the the um, uh, aura. Yes. Right? And when they touch, that's when a lot of these feelings can be exchanged. Yes. And there's a sort of thing. Uh, how do you do you see it that way too? Well, or? I do. I, I you know I think that we all have this kind of energy field around us called the aura, and I think that um, it's palpable to those people that are sensitive to that to that kind of thing. You know. Mm. So when I'm looking at you, I have a sense about that. I can feel your energy as I do his. Um, you know. So yeah, I'm certainly aware of that. And they have all kinds of cameras now that can take photographs of those kinds of things and uh, yeah. that. well the curling and, well there's some controversy about that but there yeah, is. I mean, and oddly enough every object seems to have one yes you know so the natives weren't kidding when they said everything's got a spirit quote well everything has energy well, everything yeah, sure is moving yeah nothing is still so if it's that, that's moving the nuclear nature of it right so it, ha- it must exude something sure so and and people that are sensitive to that can see it Mm-hmm. Some people can feel it. Some people are, you know, experience it on on different levels. Yep. 
Well, again, so much for the island theory. <laughs> what is your experience with suicides? That's As in a big people question. who have committed. That's a big question. Mm. You know, and um, in all the years that I've been doing this, and I've been doing this for a very long time, and I write about one particular story in my first book of, of a woman whose son that committed suicide, you know, often I found that the hell, if you will, that they were living was here in this physical life experience. I've not seen someone um, who has committed suicide live in a dark, ugly place. I thought I've discovered that their dark, ugly place was here. Their, whatever they were experiencing, their thoughts, their grief, their sorrows. You know, I don't know if they just are living in some dark place beyond here. I've not seen that so clearly. That's an interesting point. Uh, that's not exactly what my experience has been. Sure. I can't say dark place. Yep. I can say place of utter aloneness. Now, now I'm not going to disagree with yeah, you on okay, that. Yeah, okay. So we yeah. I'm not going to disagree with you. I, I'm telling you, and my perspective is that when someone commits suicide, again, like everything else, we don't just pop up into heaven because that's the story. Well, that's the next thing, yeah. We don't. We yeah. have to go through a process of evolution or healing. You know, if you believe that we have to heal these aspects of who we are or these layers of who we are, that has to happen. It does not happen just because you, your body dies. Something right, else right. has to take place. Yeah, yeah. And, and so that sense of aloneness, I call it the healing sanctuary. You call it being alone. I call it a place where we go and heal something. Well, most ones I'm run to, I've run into aren't too happy about it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I, you make your, as, as we would put it, you make your own bed in yes. the multiverse. I think yes. the, big thing here, the big thing here is context. How we contextualize what we experience and express to others. Now, you're approaching Monsieur Comtois from a different perspective than us. From where I'm coming from, at least, and where um, my father is also coming from in some way, shape, or form. It's how we perceive what we experience may not exactly be what we're perceiving. We're perceiving things that are beyond us. Sure. And we explain them in ways that we can understand. Absolutely. And we explain it from our own framework. And our framework is very narrow because we're humans and flawed creatures that like to think we understand things that we really don't. Now, understanding the fact that we don't understand is the key here. Yes. So, how do you deal with not being able to understand something that you think you understand, but you might understand it? <laughs> well, I don't fight with it. I don't argue with it. I, I do what I can to learn the best that I, that I can from that experience. So, you know, I can't fight it. You know, I, I, I listen to you, and I listen to your perspective, and I listen to what I understand, and I make my decisions and I'm based on that experience, right? Truth isn't because I've said it or because you've said it. It's because we've experienced something inside, and it ignited an energy within us or something within us that allowed us to feel where we are in that moment. But is it all about feeling? And that's a good question. You know, I, I think I, I operate from a place... You know, now that you mention that, I operate from a place of feeling. It certainly is where I uh, where I live, if you will. So that's how I that's how I verbalize what I'm experiencing solely from my feelings. That's a good question, actually. I don't have a clear answer other than I operate from that place. I operate from that place. But feeling out truth is one thing. Yeah. But are you feeling out truth? 
I'm feeling out the truth as I'm living it here in this moment. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm making that decision by learning from you guys and experiencing what I'm experiencing and making it right here in this moment. Will that change? It may change if I discover something new, if I discover another way of looking at something or, 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 or understanding it in a new perspective. I, I think that changes all the time. I think it changes yeah, all the time. That's a measure of intelligence in my book. I is, think that you know, changes. When you get better information, you know, you're, you're big enough to change your opinion or exactly. at least look at the things in a different way. You, you know, it took some time for me to, to understand the multiple layers or the many dimensions until I had some of my own personal discoveries about that, until I read certain things, heard certain things, and then I came to understand that this, this whole journey is much better this whole experience, this life experience is much bigger than what we can possibly imagine in this particular moment. And I'm learning and experiencing it as I go along. When, when, and this is, this is a big question in the evening. When you have given information to someone or believe you've passed information on from a loved one, or something, has, have you ever found it to be wrong or inaccurate or even destructive without you meaning to have it. Yeah, I've never heard it to be destructive, you mm-hmm. know. Um, has someone said, you know, that doesn't feel right yeah. to me. And I said, fine. Mm-hmm. Then it's not right. If it doesn't feel right to you, it's not right. I'll never forget this woman calling me, uh, telling me at an event, you know, it doesn't feel right. I don't think it's right. It doesn't do anything for me. I said, fine. It's okay. You know, three, four weeks later, she writes me and says, you know what? I sat with what you said and came to some of my own understanding. Mm. And it meant something to me. Maybe not as deeply as you would like it to be, but it meant something to me. You know, so, yes, can, anybody can make a mistake, I imagine. Um, and all I know is that when I'm there, and back to the feeling of love, because that's what I talk about the most, if I'm holding that energy within myself, then I'm doing the best that I can in that particular moment for that person. See, when you say the feeling of love, yeah. I, I think w- what I hear you saying is coming out of yourself and uniting yes. with someone who you really are one with anyway. Yes. You know? yeah. That's the way I, I look at it. I believe in that oneness. You know, yeah. I believe that we are all connected somehow. And that connection allows us to have this inner conversation, whether it's from your loved one or with each other here. Mm-hmm. There's, some, there's some communication going on somehow. And those of us that are sensitive to that energy are always working on that communication. Whether you're clairvoyant or sitting here having a verbal conversation, something's happening. Mm-hmm. But there's still a, 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 a big a big wall in in modern thinking, in my opinion, about this. It's it's still approaching things from an individualist point of view. Here in America, we're rabid individualists. Like it's like it's island yeah. it theory. Yeah, I mean it's 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 like if if there's something's going on, it's like well if I'm if there's nothing in it for me, then why bother? Mm. It's it's very depressing, but it's it's the symptom of of modern life. So how do we break out of that? individualist mold if we are indeed entirely self-contained individuals that, that go on forever. How do we move on from well, that? That's a, that is an amazing question, actually. And what happens in the, in the audiences of people that I see? This is, this is where the answer is. It's in that one person who takes a Kleenex and hands it to the next guy. It's that one person who stretches across the table and says, you're not in this alone, to a stranger. 
somehow in that moment when they're vulnerable, when they are feeling fragile, it gives them the opportunity to really ex- to go beyond themselves. I've seen it time and time again, Ben, when someone is sobbing in an audience and a stranger comes across the room and puts their arms around them. That is where the power is. In that moment, it gives the person who's offering that support uh, uh, maybe the courage to help the next person. And then the next person is supported and so forth and so on. So something very absolutely amazing happens. Well, you know... Very often we'll have conversations like this with people who do what you do. Not, well, not very often, but some of Occasionally. I and, and I'll hear the uh, rabid individualism that Ben's talking about. Or I'll hear uh, warm, fuzzy, maudlin, you know, <laughs> kind of sappy stuff. But I don't hear, I'm not hearing that tonight. My, I, rather to my surprise, um, so that that's just I don't know what about I, I can't speak for Ben, but uh, I'm hearing something bigger than the individual here. Me anyway. There's something that happens. I, I you know there's something that happens there. There's something that happens in that room. They come in just as you said. They come in and they say, I want a message now. I want you to tell me something. I want you to give me what I need. Mm-hmm. And it's about me. And then something happens during the experience. They start to change because they realize that it's not that there's somebody else around who's having the same kind of grief and sorrow that they're having, and they change. Something happens to them. It, it's powerful stuff. Mm-hmm. It's it's powerful to witness, you know, because I I almost feel hopeful. Not for the human race, but <laughs> hopeful for humanity that we can go beyond ourselves truly. And be uh, a light for each other, a support for each other, a kind to each other, or something. Now, we're almost out of time, but just very quickly, the whole the issue of consequences. Mm. If somebody goes into, you know, and we've seen all too many of the, well, one, one example is, is too many, but we've seen a lot of examples of people going in public places and just opening fires, yes. you know, horrifying things that just are not human to do, uh, sort of. Uh, selfishness and individuals, individualism gone haywire, really, you know, yes. in, in its ultimate expression. When these people die, many of them do right then and there, yes. there must be, I have, I have trouble with the idea that there are no consequences made by themselves, kind of sure. making their own bed. I mean, what sure. say you? I, again, I'm not, a, I'm not the guy that believes just because you die, you enter this beautiful, heavenly mm-hmm. kingdom. Sure. I think there are consequences, and I think things have to heal. I talk about that. Things have to get healed, and however that happens, it happens. Okay. Roland, it's been a very interesting conversation. Tell us once again uh, your books and your website. Uh, My website is rolandcomtois.net, and my first book is And Then There Was Heaven, and then 16 Minutes. Okay, very good. What are you working on now? Uh, We're working on other books and other stories and, and certainly all kinds of fun things. Okay. All kinds of fun things. Thank all right, you. good. Well, we'll move on to our announcements. Thank you, Roland, Thank for you. coming Thank all the way you. from the old country to be here. <laughs> all right. Alrighty, so you can visit our show website, BehindTheParanormal.com, where you can find nearly 600 free podcasts and past shows on uh, both ON 1240 and the Eno's four-and-a-half-year run on CBS Radio, along with special shows and podcasts. That's about all the time we have, so jump right to the quote. Okay, right to the quote. We'll leave you with this evening with a practical thought from Ben's second favorite philosopher, Aristotle. Bring your desires down to your present means. Increase them only when you 
when your in- increased means permit. Oh, gosh. I'm Paul Eno, wishing everyone a happy Hanukkah, which began last Wednesday, so we're late, and a Merry Christmas, which begins Thursday. I am Ben Eno, and that was... I do not like Aristotle. Anyway, thanks for joining us <laughs> on our great cosmic journey. We will see you next time. Return to this radio frequency 167 hours from now for another edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno.